In this episode of the podcast, I'm talking with Amit Chawla, the father of an autistic son. He discusses the challenges of raising a child on the severe side of the autism spectrum and the special needs community's unique perspective on life. Welcome back to the Water Prairie Chronicles. We appreciate you being with us today. And I have a new guest that I'd like for you to meet. His name is Amit Chawla. He's the software product manager. He's the founder and owner of a financial planning company. He has two sons. The oldest is autistic, and because of that, he understands some of the questions that parents might have about planning for their children's future. So, Amit, welcome to Water Prairie. Thank you, Tanya. So, would you like to tell us a little bit more about yourself? That was a really brief overview of who you are. Sure, sure, Tanya. So, I'll go a little bit back. Originally, I'm from India, born and brought up in Delhi, and I was there until I was 24. Then I moved to California. I was in California for about 10 years. Uh, Then my job brought me to Massachusetts. Uh, It was 2011 uh, when I came to Massachusetts. Soon after we came here, my son was diagnosed. My oldest son was about three at that time and he got diagnosed with autism. Uh, That changed the trajectory for me a little bit. Uh, I had some other dreams, but I had to readjust those dreams. I became a lot more risk averse. I had to make sure that I am able to support my family here. Uh, While my son was growing up, it was a challenge. Uh, My son, what we can call, he's on a higher or a severe side of autism spectrum. Initial five years were extremely tough for us. Uh, It was tough for us to see him regress. At one point, he used to talk in sentences, then he lost his speech, then he started developing behaviors, then he became aggressive towards others, then he became self-injurious. While all this was happening, we were struggling with getting him the treatments or getting him Uh, seen by a number of doctors, neurologists, cardiologists, uh, psychiatrists, and a number of therapies, speech therapy, occupational therapy. Along with that, trying to struggle with the public school system, trying to struggle with insurance companies, how to make sure that he is able to get regular services, consistent services, how to make sure that he is able to get ABA services that he needed at home. All of this continued for five years uh, and we realized that we are losing this battle. That's when we decided to send him to a residential school. That was a long, long story. Uh, Once he was sent or once he was away from our house, that's when both my wife and I found time to think deeper as to what we wanted to do with our lives. Uh, I can talk more about my wife. It was a long and difficult journey for her as well. Uh, She used to work when we were in California, but because of our son's diagnosis, she had to stay at home. Uh, She was on uh, a receiving side for sure. I used to go to work, so I I was not too deep into as to what my son was struggling with and what my wife was struggling with uh, by keeping him home. 
she she survived through a bad a bad phase of anxiety uh depression uh but she has come out much stronger i would say we have both of us have come a long way a very long way my wife went back to school after my son went to the residential school uh and I'll probably cover more of it uh, during our other uh, discussions, but she's an attorney. Uh, she's been working as an estate planning attorney. She's also doing part-time LLM to further specialize in special needs law and elder law. So she's been focusing on the legal side. Over the last five years, I've been focusing on the financial planning side of uh, special needs. I am a certified financial planner now. I'm a chartered special needs consultant now. Launched my company middle of last year. I'm doing this as a side hustle. Uh, I do want to continue to support my family. As I said, I'm a risk averse person. I will probably keep my financial planning practice as part time for probably another 15 years by the time it's time to retire. Uh, I'm thinking probably I'll retire when I'm 60. That's when my younger one uh, will be done with this college. Uh, and we'll talk more about my younger one. <laughs> <laughs> so you, you've, you've had a, an interesting road, but I like the, the mental perspective that you and your wife have taken on this. Um, we do change a lot when we meet our kids don't you know it, it it goes it goes beyond what we ever thought it was going to be <laughs> it completely changed our perspective and over time i have realized that people in the special needs community are different they understand difference more they understand their own natural cap capabilities more they are able to find gratitude in in things that usually you won't if you haven't gone through that experience yeah. so yeah. the reason i bring that point is uh, when we decided to go for our second child uh, my wife was very afraid uh, probably you know that chances mm -hmm. of having a second child uh, with autism are significantly higher than the first one. But since she was struggling so much and we knew that we are going to have a hard life, I, I had to convince my wife that we have to go for the second one. Uh, I only saw silver lining in it. I knew that if the second one also had similar problems, at least we've been through the experience we'll be right. able to manage it better and give that second child a better life based on our experience right. but if things turn out well i mean there is there is nothing better than that and things did turn out well our second kid who's seven years old now he's he's neurotypical very very kind guy uh, i would say uh recently he won uh, a recognition at school for his kindness and that's oh, what nice. we told him that that's the best kind of recognition that yes. anyone can get uh, 
so uh, he's seven years old. Uh, he was uh, two when our older one uh, went to the residential school. Okay. Uh, I believe we are at a fairly good mental state, fairly good emotional state, and in general, good career stage uh, where we are ready for us to give back to the community. Both me and my wife have learned a lot during this journey, how to recover from the grief, how to advocate for our son, uh, how to make sure that even though, even though we ourselves were not able to give him the love and care at home, we were able to find the best possible place that can take care of him. Uh, he's been there for five years. Uh, I'll say it again, he's at the best possible place uh, for his needs. Uh, over this time, we, I would say it, it's a blessing in disguise uh, because, because of him, we found our purpose. We have a purpose in life and over time I've realized very few people uh, find that uh, during their lifetime. Both me and my wife have discussed this several times that we have this goal and purpose in life that if we are able to help people beyond ourselves, come 30 years down the line when we are 75, 80, I think we'll be a much fulfilled souls thinking back in history that we, we were able to make a difference in others' lives. And all of this, all of this was because of our son. So even though uh, he's not able to understand, maybe at some day, some point of time, uh, we'll see how things go. Uh, one thing, he's, he's a 13 years old boy now, even though he's 13 mentally, he's a two year old boy. He's nonverbal, so we don't know how much he understands, but we'll see, we'll see. We do know that he understands few things and he surprises us time to time. Uh, but I'm sure uh, there will be times in future where he'll be able to convey in some shape or form to us that we did, we did good by him. It's, you know, and I appreciate you being willing to talk openly about your your son and his situation because a lot of times whenever I am talking to other parents, their children are more of a level one, level two autistic. And so it's a very different path when, I mean, if he were diagnosed today, it would be level three. I'm learning as I go to, as, as I talk to more people, the newer diagnosis, it's uh, level one is um, a little bit of support. Um, it, it, it goes by the amount of support that's needed. Um, level three would would need the most support, and in your son's case, he he, he yeah. definitely is needing support to be able to to function and to to have a fulfilling life, um, and even to to know that having him in a more consistent residential facility where they can meet his needs, that is that level of support that he needs. Yeah. But yeah. Um, but it'll be interesting to see in time. Because I I am learning that um, our our nonverbal or non speaking 
there are other ways of communicating. And I'm wondering if maybe they'll find a way to help him learn to communicate through one of the nonverbal ways. Yeah, yeah. He does have uh, his device uh, where he's able to choose that, okay, he wants to go out and want to eat. Oh, good. He wants to eat what. So uh, he's been progressing. He's been progressing on that a bit. Yeah. Good, good. So so he is learning how, how to use that. Well, before we get deeper into this, um, this season we've been asking each of our guests to share three facts, and I use that facts in quotes here, <laughs> about themselves, two of them being true, one being a lie, and we're, it's, it's a game if you've ever played it, it's called two, two, two Truths and a Lie. So I've asked Amit to prepare that for us as well. So would you like to share your three facts for us, for our guests to try to guess which one they think is the lie and which are the truths? <clears throat> All right, that's interesting. So let me start with the first one, yeah. For the first 24 years, I lived with a hole in my heart. It was about two inch big hole. And I never knew it. I went for a physical uh, when I was about 24. And my, my doctor heard something abnormal. She asked me to go get more tests done. And the hole was identified. And then the hole was plugged. And all of this was happening when I was trying to marry my wife. So it was a big wrinkle. Big wrinkle. But I'm all healed up with no more hole in my heart. That's fact number one. Fact number two, my wife's dad and my dad were childhood friends. They used to go to school together. They even lived together when they were working. They used to cook together before they got married. And many years later, my family, my parents, that is, and her parents decided that probably we should get married. In 2004, we got married, but we only got to see each other face to face one day before the marriage. Wow. Fact number three, I am very comfortable jumping from cliffs, from cliffs. I'll say that again. I'm very comfortable jumping into the river from cliffs. My first one was very smooth. My second one, I had my legs open and you can imagine what happened. <laughs> I jumped into the river from about 15 feet high cliff and that was an experience to live with. <laughs> <laughs> if you are listening, check, um, you can put your, your guests in the comments for the video if you're on the YouTube video. If you're listening on the audio, then check out our Instagram or our Twitter accounts and you can leave your guesses there. And a week after we post this, we'll, we'll put in the answer so you can check whether you're right or not. If you listen to this later, you can always still guess and just check, check and see, see if you're right or not. So thank you for sharing those with us. Yours, yours are very, very interesting um, 
facts about yourself. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So you've told us a little bit about about your oldest child and raising a child on the spectrum. Um, can you tell us a little, little bit more about that? Yeah, sure. Uh, while my oldest one was growing up, my wife started seeing concerns when he was one year old, one year old. So he had delayed speech. Uh, she was reading stuff online. She was talking to people, and time to time she brought that to my notice. But I was I was ignorant. I said that kids are are learning at different paces. He's going to catch up. And at about uh, 18, 19 months, he started speaking. And I again told my wife, see, you, you were concerned for no reason. He's speaking in sentences. Now, when... Wait a minute, wait a minute. At eight or nine months? 18 or 19 months. 18 or 19, okay, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, eight or nine months, this child is a savant. <laughs> 18, 18, okay. or, 19, 18, 18 or, or 19 months. months. Okay. Got it. He started speaking. Uh, then he was talking in sentences. Then slowly uh, he started regressing. He started losing some of his speech and his uh, usual autistic behavior started showing up, hand flapping and then queuing right. uh, right. up things and all. Uh, it took me some time to accept. It took me, I would say, at least five, six months to accept that this is something real and this is something that we'll have to deal with uh, for our entire life. Uh, we did try out a number of different medications, a number of different treatments, but nothing. I mean, there's no treatment out there. Right. Uh, I do want to tell people who are listening that go through this journey. Uh, go through this journey. Yes, you will have to accept. Do try out a number of things. Uh, surprises may happen. Uh, there, there are people who have recovered. But keep your feet on the ground. Try to start accepting that this is something that you may have to live for a longer Time. Do try to listen to the mom if you are a dad. Moms have a very, I would say, sensitive radar to see into these kind of things. Uh, they, they know when things are going right or when things are off. I wish I knew about this before. I would have been able to support my wife better. My wife struggled quite a bit, as I mentioned. Uh, there were times, even, even when my son was growing up, I was doing my part-time MBA and my CFA. So she was all alone uh, bringing him up at home. He used to have those anxiety attacks, which, which now I realize that I should have been more sensitive about. Uh, family is at the end the most important thing in your life. Other things can wait. Yes, you have to do other things to support your family, but uh, 
only family will be with you if everything else goes away. So while bringing up Ishan, I did mention about some of the struggles. Do try to seek help. Do try to reach out. You cannot, you cannot survive this by yourself. Try to create a village around yourself. Try to be sensitive about others feeling as and when they are trying to reach out to you. Try to see what they have to offer. There have been instances where we could have accepted more help, but we didn't know how to even accept that help. Do uh, reach out to a number of nonprofit organizations. Learn how to deal with this. Uh, I do know that if you are raising a kid with special needs, there are instances when you are overwhelmed. There are instances when you won't have time to think about anything else. You live day by day. You try to cope up what next day is going to look like. Try, try to take a step back. Try to seek help. Try to think longer term. There is help available out there. There are a bunch of nonprofits that can help. There are a bunch of professionals uh, that can help you in different aspects of your life, be it legal, be it financial, be it emotional. Do reach out. Well, I was going to say, you, you mentioned some of the resources. What are some of the organizations or resources that you've worked with that you might recommend to families to look for? So uh, there are a bunch of resources. Uh, first of all, if you are employed, your employer should be able to give you a list. Uh, there are a bunch of nonprofit uh, organizations. ARC is one. There are, there are special needs specific nonprofit organization that can help you uh, with the initial guidance. Uh, we have come a long way. There are online groups, Facebook groups that you can join. There are WhatsApp groups that are available. Uh, then try to reach out to the school. I'm sure school system itself is able to uh, provide you connections. Uh, government agencies, uh, if if your child got diagnosed earlier, you will have access to early intervention. And those agencies will be able to connect you with other relevant organizations. There are insurance uh, resource centers that can help you navigate uh, the challenges uh, with getting therapies, getting treatment. Those can be covered under insurance. Uh, there are other financial support uh, support organizations that can help you alleviate some of the expenses that come with this. Uh, government waiver programs are available, uh, not only to support you financially, but also for medical needs. Right. You mentioned the ARC. Um, if, you're, if you're listening to this, I'll, I'll put a link here um, in the notes below. And if you're on the video, I'll put it here as well for the interview that we did with the Arc of the Triangle. And that'll get you, give you an idea of what types of services that they're able to offer and we'll link you to their national link there too. 
So, um, so that's that's actually a great a great list of ideas of where to go because a lot of our parents that are listening, part of the premise of doing this podcast is to help parents know where to go, and um, you know those of us who have walked ahead of them for different reasons. I'm I'm wanting us to be able to point new families that are coming in and starting their search now to, in the right direction. So that 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 was a, a great list, whether their child is autistic or or any special needs, to to follow through a lot of a lot of what you share, shared just now. So thank you for put, putting that together for us. <laughs> mm-hmm. Now you talked about your son being in a residential school. So is this um, like full year long? Is it just part of the year? When is when is he there? So this residential school is uh, 365 days a year. Okay. Uh, they have both a day program as well as a residential program. My son started there in their day program, but within within two months, we realized that we needed a full residential program. Uh, this residential, residential program is at this time about about 40 years old very okay. well run organization they have a specialist in specialists in house uh, they have 24 by 7 nursing staff available okay. uh, while kids are in their group home they have staff available to them all the time so to give you an example my son's group home has about nine kids living there. Uh, the staff comes about uh, the full-time staff. Uh, the the staff that takes care of these kids uh, all day comes in to into group home about seven seven thirty. They get these. They wake up these kids, help them get ready, take them to school, help them run their programs, bring them back. To group home about three thirty four o'clock, do regular stuff, regular educational programming, uh, vocational programming. What you say? Uh, about uh, eight thirty nine, uh, the regular staff goes away. They have overnight staff come in. Overnight staff. They have two adults. One is always awake, looking after these kids. All of this is happening uh, as a regular now. There are doctor visits uh, that the doctors that are outside, they also have doctors come into the school to look at them. So psychiatrists, neurologists, uh, all of these uh, specialists come in. Very soon they are going to start a dental program uh, in school so that these kids don't have to go out because it's a big challenge for these kids to go out and receive all, all this medical attention. Now, while all this is happening, as I mentioned, they have regular programming going on. And 365 days, uh, not even Thanksgiving, not even uh, New Year's. These, These teachers are there because this is what they love to do. And we have experienced that kind of love and commitment from them. Five years, I would say, is is long time. But the way our son got care and love there, that that fills our heart. And 
many people, many families and many kids suffered through the COVID period, right? Two and a half okay. years was right. extremely tough for families with special needs. And we are fortunate that our son was supported with, uh, with this full-time program throughout this period. Wow, nice. We, yeah, we did not have to bring him home. These guys manage it really well. Uh, we were not able to see him for about four months because they wanted to keep these kids safe and teachers safe. They right. wanted to create this bubble so that uh, kids are not getting infected. But overall, uh, looking back how they were able to manage uh, the pandemic and come out of it, supporting our kids the way they did, big, big kudos to them. Well, well. So he's there now. You said he's 13 years old. How long will he be able to stay there? So uh, people are aware, I'm assuming people are aware of uh, free and appropriate education for all. That's that's a federal law, right? And right. they are eligible for free and fair and appropriate education until they are 22. Right. Uh, so until they are 22, whatever is appropriate for them will be made available to them. So they are entitled to this. So he will continue to be with this program until 22. Okay. Uh, I, I doubt there will be any miracle happening. If things improve, if he doesn't need the program, yes, I'll, I'll be waiting right. for that. But, right. but chances, yeah, chances are uh, he's going to be there until he's 22. But have you thought about what's next? If, if he continues at the level of support that he needs now when he's 22, so what will be the next step or what are you, like, how, how do you start researching those options? So it's, it's, it's a learning curve. And given the trajectory that we have seen for our son, he will continue to need that level of support. Right. Now, one thing to note, when these kids reach the age of 22, entitlements end. Right. By that, I mean that you are not entitled. You are not going to be supported by laws. Now, right. there are states and there are programs that are available to support these kids beyond 22, but you cannot rely on those programs. Governments change, laws change, budgets change, right? With those unknowns, you have to start planning ahead. And that was one of the reasons I went deeper into financial planning. And my wife went deeper into legal planning. We wanted to make sure that we prepare ourselves in the best possible way to support our son uh, for life. So there are things that you have to start doing uh, when the child reaches the age of 18, when the child reaches the age of 22, uh, how you can plan for those things. I'm, I'm happy to go deeper. Right. Okay. And, and as we go into um, to your actual work, that I, I want to dig in more with that. 
Um, so before we leave this topic, is there anything else you want to share about um, parenting a son with with severe needs um, or any advice you want to give to other parents who are at the beginning of that journey? Parents who are at the beginning of this journey, I would say try to build a village around yourself. Try to see how you can seek support from others. And if you have other kids uh, who don't have disability, try to see from their angle. The life is long. There will be ups and downs. You have to ensure that not only you are providing the best possible support for the child with disability, but also for the other family members. You yourself probably need support. I know you have to support your child with disability, but you, you yourself need support. Uh, for that, I would say try, try your best to prepare yourself, to go out, talk to professionals, to see how you are mentally prepared to support yourself and to support your rest of the family. Excellent, excellent. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of the Water Prairie Chronicles featuring Amit Chawla. Join us for the rest of his story in episode 58, where Amit will share valuable insights on how to plan for your special needs child's financial future. This podcast is made possible by support from our listeners. If you want to help offset the cost of producing the Water Prairie Chronicles, become a supporter at buymeacoffee.com slash waterprairie. You've been listening to the Water Prairie Chronicles, a podcast created to encourage and support parents of special needs children. If you found value in this episode, leave a review on Apple Podcasts to help us reach more listeners. I'm glad you were able to join us today and hope to see you back next week for another episode of the Water Prairie Chronicles.